Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. So I says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I'm making ways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Tonight, my message is called a goat in the wilderness. A goat in the wilderness. I wanna talk about wilderness experiences. I wanna talk about dry seasons, waiting seasons, frustrating seasons, in between seasons, because sometimes when you're in a wilderness season, a waiting season, a famine season, a dry season, an in-between season, you might feel like you're out of the will of God, but I actually feel you are in the very position to walk out in Holy Spirit power. I would not do well in the wilderness. I do not like wilderness experiences. Well, I am not a camping guy. My parents, when we were younger, when I came, I came to this church when I was a young boy, I got saved right here, baptised back there, went to kids' church up in where, uh, where, with the, where the kids' rooms is right now. And, and um, my parents put me in a program downstairs in the basement called Royal Rangers. Is there anyone here that was a part of Royal Rangers? It was like scouts for parents who were tight. And, uh, and, and one's a Jesus influence. And, uh, and I went to Royal Rangers and I was used, I'm useless. I can, I'm one of those guys that no matter how many times I've shown, cannot tie a knot. Is there anyone else that just is, I, what I do when I have to tie something down, I just wrap it around whatever I'm tying it to so many times and I'm just calculating by the time we drive to where we go, hopefully it just slowly holds on long enough. We went camping at the start of this year and I said to Shans, I'm putting up the tent, but after 15 to 20 minutes, I was given kids duty and go get the coffees while she set up the tent. I'm utterly useless. I could not do camping. One of my dreams, honestly, one of my dreams is to drive to the Northern Territory. However, I'm fully aware if my car breaks down, I'm either dead or like one of the people of Mad Max. And it's, I don't make it, so I can't drive, I can't go. The wilderness. A wilderness always represents harshness, loneliness, unpredictability, survival. I mean, you can't say wilderness without the word wild. You are, people go through a wild, lonely, difficult season and it's a part of life. In Scripture, the wilderness was often the place that when someone had a spirit, an evil spirit, and the spirit was cast out of them, it was sent into the wilderness. See, we all go through wilderness times. It's a cool thing we've got in common here tonight, that whatever, whoever you are, you will go through a wilderness. I feel some of us need the shame of that taken off. There's two reasons we go through a wilderness. One, God leads you through a wilderness. He led the Israelites through a wilderness because He wanted the Israelites to become dependent on Him. Or we run and we go into a wilderness, like Moses, like Hagar, because we can't face our own limitation, our own struggle, and we run and we hide and we distract ourselves and we position ourselves in a difficult season. Either way, we will go through wilderness times. And I wanna tell you this today, that the wilderness is not about finding you. We all go through, come on, who knows what it is to go through a waiting season? Show your hand. Who knows what it is to go through a desert time? Who knows what it is to be feel barren and to feel like there's no way through, there's no provision, there's no breakthrough, there's no answer? All of us go through an in-between season and it is not about finding yourself. 
Because too many of us go through a difficult, frustrating, waiting season and we're trying to get our answers. Going through a wilderness season is not about finding your dreams, your agenda and your plans. It's about becoming dependent on God and finding His dreams, His agenda and His plan. The one thing I know about every Christian and every follower of God or non-follower of God is that you cannot avoid the wilderness season. As every person I look at Scripture that did something significant for God went through a similar process. They would have a declaration over their life and then following the declaration was distress, development before there was a demonstration of God's power. There was, for every leader in the Bible, a reveal, God revealed destiny on their life and then straight away there is a reversal before there is a release. Who knows what it is to have a word from God, a breakthrough from God, an answer from God, and you feel at one moment you are killing life, you are doing well, and all of a sudden you're like, what the heck is happening? I mean, you look at Joseph. Joseph is given the dreams from God, the coat of many colours. He knows he's called to be a leader. And what happens next? There comes the pit. Daniel is elevated to one of the highest positions in the land and all of a sudden there's opposition, there's isolation and he ends up in the lion's den before he ends up being able to be a leader in the nation. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are selected uniquely to be influencers. All of a sudden they have to go through a fire before they can go and change a nation. Esther is chosen to lead in the palace but then there's a near genocide that takes not only her out but all of her people before there's a demonstration of God's power for her to come out the other side. God will allow you to go through a wilderness famine, waiting, distressing, frustrating season in order to get you out the other side more dependent on the Holy Spirit's power. See, Jesus Himself couldn't avoid the patterns that God put from the beginning of time. Jesus had to go through a wilderness season. Jesus is baptised. Jesus didn't just want to be baptised. Jesus was obedient to the Father in being baptised. Jesus is assured by the Father that He is loved. The Father, before you, when you are feeling, oh man, God loves me, that is because He wants you to know He loves you and also because maybe there's tough seasons coming so you need to depend on the love of God more than the love of anything else. He says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And this is important because this is the key to Jesus doing the wilderness well and the key for you doing a frustrating, disappointing, waiting in between season is that Jesus is anointed and filled with the Spirit. Jesus is baptised, Jesus is loved, and Jesus is filled with the Spirit. And then it says in Luke 4 verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Everyone say led. He didn't fall into his wilderness experience. He was led by the Holy Spirit into a wilderness experience. Some of us have been blaming the devil for the wilderness experience we're going on instead of recognise that maybe God wanted to do something in you, not just something for you. Maybe God wanted you to trust what it was to be led by God, not on the way you would go, but to be dependent on Him. And the key to getting out of the wilderness is to stop fighting God and trusting that He is your good shepherd that takes you through green pastures and the valley of the shadow of death. He is led. That means He is compelled. Understand that word led is aggressively led by the Holy Spirit. Some of us feel when we haven't got the job yet, the person yet, the answer yet, the healing yet, when we're in the in-between, waiting, awkward, wilderness, desert season, you are out of the will of God. 
I actually think often, if you would recognize you are in the very center of the will of God, you'll begin to see God in your desert season. So he is filled with the Spirit and he is led by the Spirit to go against some spirits. Let me be clear. He's taken into a wilderness. He is filled by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and He's about to go deal with the Spirit of the world. I wanna be clear because this will give you confidence in your season. The devil didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus went looking for the devil. We feel like the devil went looking to go get Jesus. Jesus was led by the Spirit knowing exactly what was going to happen. He went to go and deal with the devil. Jesus goes to pick a fight with the enemy. The one who attempted the best of us, Abraham, Moses, Samson, David, me and you, he goes to conquer the one that none of us could conquer. He goes to beat the one that none of us could beat. Jesus is not somehow accidentally in a position where the devil turned up. Everything God planned went exactly to God's plan. He went to deal with the one that you and I haven't been able to deal with. Where the Bible, Jesus is the second Adam, the Word shows us. And the Bible makes it really clear where the first Adam failed, the second Adam succeeded. So where the first Adam missed the mark and there was sin, it resulted in death. What was God's solution to Adam's mistake? It was that he would send another Adam. This is the story of the Bible. The first man messed it up, but the next man fixed it up. Adam, the first Adam in the garden, got it wrong. So Jesus intentionally went to go and restore what none of us could restore. So why 1 Corinthians 15 says, for since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as we all die in Adam, we will all be made alive in Christ. Jesus went through a desert season so that that desert season didn't beat you. That temptation, that struggle, that difficulty could not stop you because Jesus went to stop the one that stopped us previously. When we got it all wrong, God never gave up on us. And here comes the goat. Here comes the greatest of all time. We did a little series not long ago called The Goat and I've been thinking about this message since. The goat comes looking for a redo. In the Old Testament, there was a festival, festival called Yom Kippur. And every year at Yom Kippur, every Israelite would wait for this because this had the Day of Atonement that for every sin, every temptation, everything every person got wrong, they would have one day a year where they would be forgiven for everything that had gotten wrong. Every mistake, every, every wrong conversation, every wrong thought, every wrong word, everything they got wrong, they, they carried that with them. They carried their shame and their sin and their curse. And once a year at Yom Kippur, at the Day of Atonement, they are forgiven. And it is there that there are two goats. There is a goat that no one sees and this goat is there to take away a picture of the lamb, of who Jesus would be. And there is the goat that no one would see, the lamb that no one would see. But out in the public square is another goat called the Azazel. Everyone say Azazel. Now that word Azazel literally means take him away. That's what it means in Hebrew, take him away. 
This is a picture of who Jesus is going to be. And they didn't even realise. Let me show you. Pilate has said there is Barabbas and there is Jesus. And I want you to choose who is going to be the one that dies on the cross. The one that is the sinner or the one that has never sinned. The one that is cursed or the one that has come to take your curse. The one that's got it all wrong or the one that came and never did anything wrong. And they ended up choosing Jesus. And this is what they said in John 19 verse 15. Where the yellow is, I'll read the white. I want you to yell like you're the crowd, what it says in yellow. But they shouted, take him away. Take him away, crucify him. We're gonna now say this in Hebrew. What they would yell without even realising at the crucifixion of Jesus is, but they shouted, Azazel, Azazel, crucify him. Jesus is a picture. The goat, sorry, is a picture of who Jesus is about to be. The perfect, sinless goat, the Lamb of God, the forgiveness of the world would be placed on him. So at this festival, what the priest would do is the priest would go up to this goat and it would squeeze, not just lay hands on the goat, but it would squeeze the goat and put pressure on the goat as the priest made a representation of the sins of the world coming on the goat. The Hebrew word for this squeeze is Gethsemane. It is to squeeze, it is to push in. And as the sins of the world came on the goat, the priest would have to turn his head away from the goat that received all of the sin, just as Jesus felt the Father turned his head away. And at the ninth hour of this ceremony, the priest would yell out for everyone to hear, it is finished. The priest would then grab the goat and walk through the crowd with a scarlet piece of cloth wrapped around its head, picturing the thorns that would be on Jesus' head and would start yelling, Israel, your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Israel, your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. And this goat they wouldn't sacrifice. They did that for the one inside the temple. The goat that everyone saw, they sent into the wilderness. See, Jesus had to go and follow the path of the goat that had gone by. Jesus had to go and follow the path of the lamb that gave its life so that we could all be set free, not just once a year, but once and for all in Jesus' name. See, this release, this goat that goes into the wilderness, the Azazel, the one that came to take it away is the picture of Jesus, so He too must go into the wilderness to deal with whatever we needed to deal with. So the devil comes, no surprise to Jesus, and doesn't just tempt Him three times, in fact, it says He was tempted for 40 days, but the times it makes clear to us, the tempter came to Him, Matthew 4 verse three, and says the tempter came to Him and said, if you are the Son of God, the devil always asks if. Did God really say if? He makes you question, are you really good enough? Are you really loved? Are you really a child of God? Are you really anointed? Are you really gonna get healed? Anyway, but he says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Kind of say to the side, he chose the wrong object to tease Jesus with because I'm convinced Jesus loves rocks. I went home today and my boys my boys are watching a lion documentary 
So what are they doing on the floor? My youngest anyway, he's pretending to be a lion. When they watch a movie with ninjas, guess who they are for the next half an hour? They're ninjas. When Jesus was growing up, do you know who Jesus wanted to be? The rock. He wanted to be a rock that the church was built on. In fact, he said, I am the chief cornerstone. And when Jesus came to earth, he could have come anywhere, but he chose to go to the Middle East, the most rockiest place in the entire earth. He actually said that if you don't worship me, my favorite thing that I ever created, other than a human, will worship me. If you don't worship, these rocks will cry out. Uh, I mean, look at the story of, of, of Peter. And Peter, Jesus asked the disciples, Who do they say? that I am. And Simon says, they're all saying, you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah. And Simon says, I know who you are. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus is like, ding, 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 you win the prize. And he's like, what's the prize? And he's like, I'm gonna change your name from Simon the Reed to my favourite thing, Peter, which means the rock. I mean, there's another instance where there's a woman caught in adultery. And as she's standing there and she has been, she has done the wrong thing. All these people want to kill her and they've got stones in their hand. They're about to throw rocks at her. But these are Jesus' two favourite creations coming into contact. So He bends down and writes in the dirt and no one knows what He wrote, but I feel like I know. I think He wrote, drop the rocks. Uh, when when He made the greatest nation in the entire world, when He made Australia, what did He put as the centrepiece to the greatest place on the earth? He put Uluru, a giant rock. The devil doesn't have a clue what he's doing. He comes with a rock. Anyway, I've got off path, just needed a brain break. He goes on Matthew 4, verse five to six. Then the devil took him on a holy city. Second temptation. And had him stand at the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. The first temptation was you're hungry. The second temptation was jump off and let God catch you. The third temptation says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendour. Can I say, it is in the high seasons where we sometimes begin to think that we are God. The valley, we have to depend on God. The enemy keeps taking him to high places where he can, he is God. So often in our high moments, we'd think we don't need Him. The devil took Him to a high mountain and showed Him all the kingdoms of the world and the splendour. All this I'll give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. He says, I'll give you riches and control if you worship me. There are three temptations Jesus overcomes. There are three battles Jesus overcomes because I think these are the three primary battles that we will have to face in our wilderness seasons. The first one is food and food is all about our physical. Food is about what I want and what feels right to my body, to my mind and who I am. This is the struggle with what I want and what I need and what I expect, the physical, what I eat, what feels right, sexuality, all these things relate to the physical. The second thing, the second temptation when he says jump and see if he catches you is the test of emotions. The first one is physical, the second one is emotional. Does He really love you? Because we go with our feelings and the seasons and the good times and the bad times dictate our feelings and our feelings make us ask this question, does God really care? Does God really love me? And if God doesn't heal me when He says He'll heal me, if God doesn't provide the job when He said He'll provide the job, if God doesn't speak when I want Him to speak, does He really love me? Will He really catch me? The first one is physical, the second is emotional, the third one is control and wealth, and that is about financial. 
Is that one of the ultimate tests every one of us will have to face is in the area of our finances because this is where Jesus says there will be the test to see who the Lord really is. And when it comes to our desert seasons, our waiting seasons, our in-between seasons, our frustrating seasons, the areas we will have to pass, the temptations and difficulties we will have to face will be with the emotional, the physical and the financial. And if we're often gonna, maybe just the keys can come, if we're gonna walk through wilderness seasons, we're gonna have to know the areas we are gonna have to pass and trust God in. The areas you need to trust God in will be one of these three areas so often, your physical, your sickness, your health, your mind, your desires, your emotional, how I feel, how I feel God feels about me, how I feel others feel about me, and my financial. Can I say this, church? Temptation isn't a sin. Some of you need to hear that today. Temptation's not a sin. Because I have feelings and thoughts, desires, wondering, confusion, that doesn't make you a sinner. Young people, I don't know how you feel about this. Because I was a guy growing up, I, some of the stuff you'd, you'd think on, wonder on, experience, you just think, oh, does that make me a bad person because I am wondering what they think about me or uh, because I want a girl to like me or because I get angry? I don't think those things are necessarily sin. I think it's what you do with them and if you listen to them and follow them through, that leads us to sin. Jesus is tempted. Jesus has to ponder in His mind, do I need to test God on this? I mean, in the garden later, we actually see Jesus in anguish fighting against His will. That didn't make Him a sinner, that made Him human. The question is, how do we respond to the battles of the mind? How do we respond to the temptation? How do we respond to the emotion, to the physicality, to the financial burden? Do we trust other people? Do we trust ourselves, or do we trust Him? Because ultimately, that desert season is not about your agenda, your plans, or your dreams. It's about being dependent on God. God puts you in a desert season so that you will get dependent on His plans, His agenda, and His dreams. This is why, can I say this? This is, this is the point of this message. This is why you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why knowing just the Scripture is not enough because you'll forget the Scripture in the temptation and difficult moments if you are not filled with the Spirit. That's why just coming to church isn't enough because when you're in a wilderness or desert seasons, there'll be times where you'll feel like you can't make it to church. Jesus couldn't get to the temple from the desert season He was in, but He was the living, breathing church because the Spirit of God resided in Him. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God because you will face other spirits. Jesus was led, filled by the Spirit and led by the Spirit to go deal with the spirits that you and I will face. You will go through wilderness times, you will be tempted, you will struggle and that is being human. But what I love about Jesus, in this desert, He didn't battle the devil. As you read it, it's like He swats away a fly. It wasn't this brrr struggle. He was weary and tired. Can I say, if you've been in a desert season and you're weary and tired, that doesn't make you weak, that makes you human. Jesus never battled with the devil. He defeated the devil, but He was weary and tired in the natural because of the battle, which is why you have to be filled with the Spirit. 
What stops him operating in the flesh is that the Spirit teaches him to use the weapon of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, and every time the enemy came, he answered with, it is written. Because when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you are not dependent on your feelings, you are not dependent on your physical, you're not dependent on your emotional, you're not dependent on your financial, you're dependent on the promises of God and who God says you are. But the only way you can stand in that moment is that you need the Spirit of God. Because people before had an awareness of who God was, but Jesus was filled with the Spirit so he could stand against the enemy that lied to him and beat the one that no one else could beat. He defeats whatever comes against you. He defeats everything that comes against you. I want everyone to look at me for a moment. He defeats everything that is raising its head against you. Jesus wondered, so Jesus could conquer. He wondered and he conquered. He went into the desert to ultimately go and defeat anything that could attach itself to you. He is the Azazel that never, never did wrong, never sinned, never made a mistake, except he doesn't just wander in the desert, he goes and creates victory in the desert. He is the goat that goes into the wilderness and says, I will deal with it all once and for all. Not that you will now avoid the wilderness, but you can walk through a wilderness season saying, I already have the victory. And I love this. As I finish, Jesus is filled with the Spirit, and He is led by the Spirit. But because He is willing to go through the wilderness season, trusting God, it says as He comes out of the wilderness in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. I believe you can be filled with the Spirit, but not operating in power. Jesus goes in filled with the Spirit, is led by the Spirit, but because He is able to see victory in His desert season, not rely on His emotions, not rely on His physicality, not rely on what He didn't have, He walks out now more dependent on God and now operates and flows in the Holy Spirit's power. He is filled with the Spirit so that He can be led by the Spirit and He comes out in power of the Spirit so that you can have power to defeat the physical battles you're facing, so that you can have power to defeat the emotional battles you're facing, so that you can have power to defeat the financial battles that you're facing. He walks and defeats what you can't defeat so that you can have power to have victory where Jesus has already had victory. Then He heads home and it's here He grabs the scroll from Isaiah and He says this, fully aware that He has passed what no one else can pass. He has done what no man has done. Where one man messed it up, this man fixed it up. He had done the work that was required all other than the cross. Now He would teach, but He is now fully aware of the key to freedom in your life. So He walks out, grabs that scroll. This is why this matters. He puts it on this, put it on the screen. He didn't put it on the screen, but I will. He says, read this first line with me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I just conquered what no one else could conquer. Why? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
I just defeated every physical thing that could rise his head against me. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I just defeated every emotional battle that you would face. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I just defeated anything that could come to do with laying down and letting go of all control and wealth and ultimately worship. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has anointed me to proclaim. Why? Proclaim. He wants you to hear it. 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 For the first time since Adam, there is good news. He says He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He steps in obedience that leads to assurance, that leads to filling, that leads to temptation, that leads to power, that leads to freedom. Ultimately, you get to live in freedom because of the obedience of Jesus. You get to live in freedom because Jesus was loved by the Father. You get to live in freedom because Jesus was filled by the Holy Spirit. You get to live in freedom because He defeated every wilderness temptation you would ever face. You get to live in freedom because He made available, avail- He made power available for your life. This is what this is all about. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, they were locked up, restricted and chained to wander in a permanent wilderness, to be limited and restricted to their sin and their failure. But the goat, the Azazel, came and gave His life so that you could live free. This is why when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The one of the sunsets free is free indeed. And if you are wondering, stand to your feet tonight. If you are wondering, and if you are waiting, and if you are frustrated, you are human. But there was God who came and walked fully man and fully God, who experienced every physical, emotional and financial temptation, burden, struggle that every one of us face, except He defeated the one that hadn't been defeated by anyone before Him. So that you don't have to defeat the devil, you can just swat him away because I am the one who the Son sets free because I am the head and not the tail, that I am a child of God and that there is an exchange that when Jesus takes your sin, He gives you His favour. When Jesus takes your shame, He gives you His freedom. When Jesus takes your guilt, He gives you His power. When Jesus takes your weakness, He gives you His strength. Jesus didn't just come to take your sin. He came to give you the freedom, the hope, the healing, the provision and the restoration that every one of us needs. Which is why He was not found in the wilderness, but He went looking in the wilderness and He defeated anything that could come again. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died 
and rose again so that his death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and his life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.